Amen, amen. All right, let's go on the Word for just a little while. I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 3. If you don't mind, to some very familiar passage of Scripture uh, that you're familiar with. So hang on with me. This is some things the Lord has been speaking to me. I, I believe we're in one of the greatest hours. I'm letting you turn there because I see you turning pages. I believe we're in one of the greatest hours. I really believe it. I'm declaring it, who, if, whoever I get with, uh, that we have ever seen. Even though the world around us is going mad and seems like it's getting worse, I'm telling you, God's church is going to shine in this hour. And the attention, I believe, with all of my heart is getting ready and is being, is coming back to the house of God. Isaiah prophesied it in Isaiah 2 that in the last days, he said, all nations are going to flow into the house of the Lord. And they're going to say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord's house and let us be taught and instructed of him. When he said all nations are coming in, I really believe what he said. I believe we're here for the greatest harvest. It's coming. It's already starting. It's coming in. And I believe we're going to see more than what we have ever, ever, ever seen before. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't seen nothing like it yet. And it could be that all the madness around you is the very thing. I don't think God has to use a trouble or difficulty to get our attention. But when you won't pay attention to his prophets, when you won't pay attention to his servants, then he'll send a, he'll send a hornet. He'll send whatever he has to do to get your attention because his will is not that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. I believe the greatest day for this house is here. Our greatest day is not in our past. Our greatest day is right now and days that are in front of us. I don't want to keep saying, I'm like Jesse Duplantis said some time ago, I was listening to him. He said, I go to conferences all the time and I hear ministers say, God is fixing to, God is fixing to. God. He said, I'm ready for God to do it. So I'm declaring God's not fixing to, but God is doing it. You just haven't seen everything. We're in the beginning of the great revival, the early stage of it, Michael, we are seeing the glory of God right now. Get ready. Somebody posted recently something. I thought, man, I like that. You better get here early if you want a seat. Well, I'm going to say that by faith, but I'm going to say it because I believe it. The day will come soon. You'll have to be here early in order to have a seat. You can Come on, you need to declare that. I believe it because the harvest is there. Well, pastor, it's like one pastor said, well, I'm not into numbers and I'd rather have 50 quality people than 500 going to hell. Well, I don't know about you. If we're really doing God's business, we're going to gain as many as we can because here's the deal. Where do you think the signs, wonders, and miracles are going to take place at? We may not need it in our life, but those coming in and those that we're going to touch are going to need the healing power of God. I'm glad that Ben and Pam are doing their healing uh, school again because I believe it is a mark of this revival. I believe it's a mark that you and I, listen, you and I need to be praying for the sick every day. You and I need to be looking for opportunities and not just praying but expecting them to be healed. Are you okay? I believe it tonight. Let's get, i got to get into this real quickly. It's all going together. 
You know this passage, children of Israel are, are in Egypt and God is speaking to Moses through a burning bush. And then he says, I'm going to verse uh, chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, no, let's look at verse 6 first. He said, moreover, he said, huh? Exodus, where did I say? Genesis, Exodus. No wonder y'all weren't with me. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. I'll give you a moment. Thank you, Michael. He keeps me straight. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. Moreover, he said, verse 6 of Exodus 3. God speaking to Moses through a burning bush. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You need to mark that. And you need to understand that God isn't just calling his name. But God is making a sure statement. I am a God of covenant. I am a God that will do exactly what I said I would do. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow. I know their pain. I know their hurting. I know where they are. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian and to bring them up from that land to a good, to a large land and a land overflowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now, I want you to notice what God said. He said, I have heard the cry of my people as though they haven't, heard, they haven't been crying before. For 400 years, Israel has been in bondage. 400, actually, one historian says they were there for 430 years. It could have been that God made a promise at for 400 years, matter of fact, turn with me. Let's go back to Genesis 15 real quick. That's why I said Genesis. I had that on my mind too. Genesis chapter 15. When God made a covenant with Abraham. That he said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And I'm going to make your seed like the sand of the seashore and the stars of the heaven. But in verse 13, he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is theirs and will, is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also that nation whom they serve, I will judge and afterward they will come out with great possessions. In Exodus 3 that I read to you while ago, God is now fulfilling the promise that he made to Abram. Before Abram ever had a kid, God made a covenant with Abraham. So he, he made covenant with Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. That's why he said, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. He is a covenant God. It's, this is deeper than a promise. It is a covenant. Everything and who all that God is, is on the line right now. If he doesn't deliver his people according to how he said he would do it, 
or when he would do it, then you and I might as well lock the doors of this house and go home because you can't trust one thing that God says. That's pretty tight, but that's how covenant works. See, I've made a lot of promises I couldn't keep. But a covenant is greater than a promise. It puts life and death at its very core. Everything is centered around that, that I vow, I put my life and who I am on the line. So 400 years has passed. Israel has grown. They've moved into Egypt. And while they were in Egypt, you can go to chapter 1 of Exodus now, that while they were in Egypt at that time, you know that whole picture, Joseph was taking care of all this stuff that was going on. And in verse 7, the word said of Exodus 1, But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was full of them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to the people, Look, the people of the children are more and mightier than we are. Come, let us deal with them shrewdly lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. You know why the enemy fights against the people of God so much? Because he knows that if we ever get our footing, his day is absolutely over. So I'm going to deal, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with them harshly. I'm going to put them under labor. I'm going to burden them down. But the more they put burden on them, the more they increase. The more they multiplied. Maybe we ought to look at our trouble a little bit different. Maybe you're going through something tonight. Maybe you've been in a difficulty. Maybe that difficulty is doing more in you than what you can imagine. But 400 years have passed. And God said, that's enough of that. I'm going to bring them out now. And I'm going to bring them into a land that flows with milk and honey. Let me give you a title if you want to put a title on anything tonight. I'm calling it From Here to There, From Promise to Possession. From Here to There, Promise to Possession. So I want you to see a couple of things. I want to ask you a question tonight. Even though God makes you a promise, does it happen? Does it just happen because God promises? I can't really find. I know it can. But most of the time through the Word of God, it just doesn't happen. It requires something of us. The first thing, I want to give you three things or three principles to get from here, from here to there, to get from a promise to possession. The first thing I want you to see is this, that God usually gives us a promise that deals with our flesh to get us to move. Hello. You realize that everything he wanted them to have and what he called the promised land when he said this, it's a land that's good, it's a land that's large, and it's a land that's overflowing. He could have gave them right there. 
Matter of fact, they could have experienced it all right there, but that place represented sin and represented bondage, and that's not what God had intended for them. But the first thing that He gives most of us, He gives us something that appeals to our flesh. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. He said, it's a land that is good. It's a land that is large. It's a land that is overflowing. When He's talking about it overflowing, He's talking about it being in abundance because that's the kind of God that He is. He's a God that wants to lavish His people, give you more than what you could ever imagine. That's why you need to dream big. You need to think big. You need to ask big of God because you're not going to break Him. You're not going to outthink Him. You're not going to outdream Him. And there's not one thing that you can imagine in your heart that God can't bring forth for you. Matter of fact, I believe it. Steve, our friend Steve Sampson says it like this. God loves it when we allow Him to be God. He allow, when we allow Him to show off. Most of us don't give Him enough to show off. We just want to get by. He said, wait a minute, I didn't deliver you. I'm not delivering you to leave you there in the land of the Egyptian. I'm not going to leave you there to leave you making bricks and such as that. I want to get you out of there and I'm going to bring you to a place that is good, a place that is large and overflowing with milk and honey. So we gotta, we've got a promise. That promise causes me to move. God's been speaking promises. What do you think we've been talking for couple years now that this is the time of signs wonders and miracles because it's a promise and it gets us to move it stirs expectation in us as though shouldn't God just be enough if he never done another thing wouldn't he shouldn't he be enough matter of fact even us coming to the house of the Lord shouldn't he be enough Come on, when you get to heaven, I know people, I can't wait to get to heaven to walk on streets of gold, to walk through those pearly gates, to see that crystal river where there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. I got news for you. It is nothing compared to the one that it's all about, and it's all about Jesus. I don't think we'll get hung up on the, he- on the mansion anyway. I think that was, again, another tool to appease our flesh, to get us to get our eyes off of the sorrow and the pain of this present moment. So God gives us a promise. We need a promise. Promises are good, but they just don't happen. That's why a lot of us don't understand. Well, God promised me this. Well, let me ask you. Have you stepped into the second thing? And I'm going to call it tonight process. And the definition of the word process means a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. Something's interesting in this passage. I love, I I just see every time I read through things like this, I find something fresh and new. You have to understand who, first of all, Moses was a Hebrew that was born at the time when the Pharaoh said, wait a minute, I'm going to destroy the seed. That's why he had all the male children, two years of age and under destroyed. It wasn't about killing a little boy. I got to kill the seed, the seed that's in the male. I'm going to kill it. And if I can destroy the seed, then there will not be a harvest. But he knew something. I believe the enemy knows more than what you and I do. And understanding about the seed and about the harvest. He said, if I can destroy the seed, there will be no harvest. 
So you know the story. Moses' mom put him, in a, put him in a basket, set him in the river, trying to spare his life, only to find that Pharaoh's daughter seen this baby, heard the baby cry as he's floating through the bulrushes, and she reaches out and gets him, and she couldn't, she felt compassion. I believe it was the grace and the mercy of God that she wouldn't allow this child to be destroyed. So of all people that she would call upon to help her and raise this baby, she calls upon the mother of Moses. Man, isn't God great and faithful how God works everything out? And now Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh. None of that was by chance. So he grows up in the house of Pharaoh knowing that one day it's working in him, but he doesn't understand it. He's going to be a deliverer for the people of God. But he's still in the house of Pharaoh, and he's going through a process that he does not understand. May I tell you tonight that the process will always cause you maybe to misunderstand or be misunderstood by, by, uh, by, by things that are around you and sometimes because of God himself. So Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh. And one day he's out and he sees, two, he sees an Egyptian being, being overtaken by what? Is that right? A Hebrew being? Did I, am I saying it right? Yeah, an Egyptian was beating the Jew. And so what did it do? Deliverance rose up in Moses. He wasn't just a bad boy. Deliverance rose up in him. That which God had on the inside of him rose up. That may be a great point. Too many points to preach all this, but it just sometimes it's working in us. But if we move out of time, we'll move through the gift incorrectly. So he, he slays the Egyptian, covers him up in the sand like nobody knows, but he has to be mindful that some Hebrews have seen what happens. Then he finds himself in a spot now because now the house that he grows up in they find out that Moses has slew an Egyptian. And now because he's grown up in the house of Pharaoh, nobody trusts him. He's in a place that seems to be where he's misunderstood when the, when the Hebrews doesn't understand that he is their deliverer that God is going to use. And he's misunderstood by the people. He's misunder he doesn't even understand himself now. God, what are you doing with me? And he's on the run, finding himself on the backside of the desert. I don't know if I could prove this. Don't know if I could prove it. Maybe one of the scholars in here could. I believe it's why some of them say that it was 430 years like Jesus. He grew. He was about 30 years of age when he went back. And God said, now you're going to go back and you're going to stand before Pharaoh and before the people and you're going to command their release. So they got a promise, we're going to go out. But he speaks to Moses and he says something. I want you to look at Exodus chapter 3 in verse 16. He said, go and gather the elders of Israel together. And say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me, saying, surely... I have, I have surely visited you and have seen what, uh, what, what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of your affliction. This always fascinates me. 
Because we think, we, if we're not careful, we get this picture that Moses stood up on a mountain with a mega, megaphone and shouted to all the Hebrews, Hey, we're busting out tonight. But it didn't happen that way. He said, Go gather the elders of each tribe. Go bring me the twelve. Bring me a leader out of each one. Because you have to understand to get the promise, a decision is going to be made right now. And it's going to be made by the elders. But their decision is going to impact future generations. I want you to think about this because it's very important for us as a church. I know Wednesday night or not is a lot of the core. But the decision we make that we don't want to stay here that we want to go see full manifestation of promise, that we have to make a decision, we're going to go. Because if we say we're going to go, all of them will follow. But if you and I refuse to say, you know what, that's for somebody else to make that decision, then the whole nation is held back. Go look. This impacts your family. It impacts our children, my grandchildren, your grandchildren. It impacts people that have never got here yet. That is intended to be here. A decision that you and I will make to say, Father, we will go. See, so many times I, I used to study, uh, you, you know, I had used years ago, and this isn't about church growth, it is and it's not, but if I brought these guys in, I'd pay Miss Judy to help us out over the years about church growth. They were called church growth specialists back in the days. And I always heard them say this, Pastor, every church we go into, they always say we want to grow. Every one of them. He said, they all say it. But the sad note is, none of them really want to do it. We don't want to live here. We don't want to go promise. But we don't want to do what we've got to do in order to get there. Because here's the thing. Process will always bring change. Process will always bring change. Believe it or not, you're changing whether you like it or not. I heard Chad say a while ago about him and my wife saying they couldn't bounce in the bouncy houses no more. But you know what? There was a day they could. Can't do it no more, but there was a day they could. And you might want to be a kid, but the reality is you're changing. You're changing every day whether you like it or not. But the reality can be this. I can change and still be in Egypt, but never reach the potential and reach the overflow. Reach that place that is large, that place that is good, that place that is overflowing. Just simply because I will not go. I think there's a question on us tonight. I'm challenging you tonight. Because it will bring change to everything you do. It will not look that way again. I'll just give you a heads up. We got some plans of things to change in September. We're going to change some things. It's going to look different. It might feel different. Felt different tonight a little bit. We've seen a few changes over the weeks. And I believe it's going to become more. Not change to change sake. I believe it's what God is saying. I believe it's what the Lord is doing. But you and I have got to be that people 
that we're going to come. I can just picture Moses coming to him first place. They don't even really trust him. And not only is he going to go there, he's going to stand before Pharaoh that doesn't trust him. Pharaoh's ready to kill him. But he comes in the word of the Lord. What do I tell them? First thing he said, tell them is, I've got a better place for you than where you are. May I tell us tonight, I love this house. I love it here. I love what we do. There's not anything really about this place I don't like. I even like all of you. Thank you, Michael. That's the truth. But I know that there's more than where we are. I know that there's more depth. I know there's more blessing. I know there's more insight. I know there's more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more. If we could only imagine, it's more. I said at a restaurant, I think I may have told you this the other day. Met Met a brother. I think I did Sunday morning, but I'll tell it again. Only got two stories. I have to tell them over. Sitting having coffee with somebody on Saturday morning, a, 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 a gentleman that used to mow the lawn here at the church. He was in there. I saw him and said, hey, how you doing, sir? He said, I'm doing great. He said, doing good. He came over to the table and he said, hey, Pastor, how long have you been in Cape? I said, almost 25 years in December. He said, wow, I can't believe that. How you've been there that long. He said, we change pastors every four, five, six years. I thought, I bet that's exciting. I said, what church do you belong? He told me what church they belong to. And then he proceeded to tell me, he said, we don't have anybody here. We don't really, we're a small congregation. And most everybody is over 60 years of age. And he talked more on the upper numbers of 80 and 90 than any of it. And you know how sad that was? Because there's not a young person to come in. Because more than likely, I guarantee you, God made a promise, but somebody said, yeah, we want, but they weren't willing to go. Hello? Let's go, let's go up in time because they come to the promised land with Moses. And the Lord said, I want you to send spies in. I want you to send a, a leader from each tribe. Send them in. And being a spy, all he wanted them to do, I want you to go see if it's not what I, what I told you it would be. Matter of fact, that wasn't really a God idea. The people came to Moses and said, that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And they came to Moses and said, Moses, I think it would be a good idea if we go in and check it out. And let's see if it's what God said. And God said, all right, I think it's a pretty good idea because I, I know it's good, but you don't. Evidently, you don't believe what I said, so I'll let you go look at it. They go in. It's harvest time. They're bringing out grapes that it takes two men to pack a cluster. They come back with the word. It is a land that overflows with milk and honey. Joshua and Caleb are jumping up and down. Oh, man, we have arrived. We have got there. And ten of them spoke up. But... I'm telling you, it's time we get our butt out of the way. Hello. Seriously. Ten of them said, yep, that's right. We got fruit of it. But there's great walls in that place. There's giants in that place. And in our eyes, we're like grasshoppers. Not that, that just messed with me. 
Because grasshoppers working together can wipe out. They can wipe out every. They can wipe out a field in no time when all them little critters are working together. We're not able. God said, okay, you're not able. You made a decision. You're not going to go. I'll let you stay out. But as a result of that, Joshua and Caleb stayed out. You have to understand something. What God's doing in us isn't just affecting us. It's not just affecting you. It's affecting the generation. we got to go through the wilderness again. Sometimes, I know we give pastors and leaders, well, our pastor's not leading us right. Do you ever think it may be people not following right? Sorry, I'm not trying to throw blame, but I hear all this stuff all the time. And it might be that we're not making decisions. Come on, we ought to be pressing in on God right now with everything that we got on the inside of us. I'm not willing. I know what God said. If I was Joshua and Caleb, I'd been so ticked off at that people. I'd probably took out the tent because it was all their fault. And now for 40, 40 years... Not four days, not four years, 40 years. They're wandering through the wilderness. And I believe probably once a week, Miss Judy, because they're nomads. They're, 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 not, they're not building houses. They're, they're, in a, they're, they're just wandering around. And, and they have to because of vegetation and everything. But I believe once in a while they come right by that place. God said, you could have been in there. You could have been in there. That's why you go to a meeting or you go past something and we get all upset about it. But God says, you could have had that. You could have had that, but you wouldn't do it. I'm just saying we're going to get from promise to possession. There's a process and the process will always bring change. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to bring change. And it can be misunderstood. Listen, I've come to learn this. There's always more going on than what you see. Always. Always. When Israel was coming out, they had to go to a Red Sea. Never fails. Moses is up on the mount. He's up on the edge of the... Hey, we got a Red Sea here. The Bible says that God led them through way of the Red Sea. And not, it wasn't that there wasn't another route. But he said the other route was a place of war. And he said, if you see war, you won't go. That may be a good point to think about. If all you're going to do is fight, you won't go into the promise. So he said, I brought you by the way of the Red Sea. So now we got to look at it and think, okay, what was the Red Sea? Here's what they're doing. They come immediately to Moses. Hey, you brought us out here to die? At least we could live back there. But you brought us to this Red Sea to die. They're misunderstanding God, the change, the process. Because what God was doing was making a passage for them towards their promise in one sense. And here's why I said God is always doing more in us than what we know. In one sense, it's a passage to my promise. In the other sense, he is destroying the enemy that's been deceiving me. But he had to get us through the Red Sea to get the enemy to follow so that he could close back the waters on the Red Sea. 
So sometimes what you're going through, you're, God's working, you're on your way to possession, but you're not understanding. Everybody has to. See, there's always a process. Remember what a process is. It's a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. Did you realize that even before sin, Adam had a process he had to work? He had a process. It wasn't going to happen without it. God made two people. He made them male and female. He gave them the ability to procreate and to fill all the earth. So if Eve looked at him and said, not tonight. Or Adam looked at her and said, no, you're not appealing tonight. Nothing would happen. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm just making a point. A process had to happen. God never created another person because the seed was in the man. It was in the creation that he already made. It had to be planted. It had to be watered. That's why Paul said one plants, the other waters, but God brings the increase. So before the fall, there was always a process. Something had to be done. No matter how good you are, it had to be done. Do you ever think about this with Noah? He's doing something. God's getting ready to destroy the earth or cleanse the earth. Let me say it that way as a better way. He's getting ready to cleanse the earth. He speaks to a man to do something that's never been done before. It hasn't rained as we would know it. Noah didn't know what a torrential rain was. Noah didn't know what a, what a boat was, let alone a canoe to build an ark. He had no clue of what it was. So here's the deal. God was doing something in the earth, and he used a man by the name of Noah. And according to Hebrews, if I remember right, Noah wasn't necessarily called a boat builder. He was called a preacher of righteousness. So what did Noah have to do? Noah had to proclaim the will of God that sin had covered the earth and it wasn't the way that God intended for man to live. And in the process of proclaiming, he's building a boat that would represent redemption of preserving the seed because that's the whole... It wasn't about getting an elephant on that boat. It wasn't about a giraffe. It was about redemption that would come to all mankind. Because in the man was a seed. A Savior was in Noah. A process was being worked. It'll always be misunderstood. Process, process will always reveal who we are. It'll always reveal us. It'll reveal what you got in you. You can want to come out all you can, but you don't realize it's not about what you want to get out to. It's about what God wants to get out of you. Because a lot of us want to go to Jerusalem, but we still got a lot of Egypt in us. Hello. And it's the process that reveals it. All of a sudden, circumstances, it gets around. The process. Do you ever think about Joseph? Joseph had to go through a pit in order to get to the palace. 
Joseph had to be sold out by his brothers. Joseph had to be misunderstood. How many of us have been in those places and we didn't understand it? I'm, I'm just so wounded and I'm so hurt. And we're, we're pointing our fingers at everybody and everything around us when God said, it's not about them. I'm revealing you to you. Because really, Joseph was full of pride. He was arrogant. Hey, I had this dream. Everybody's bowed down. Everybody is, everybody is bowing down to me. He says that no wonder everybody's ticked off at him. Even his whole family. They're all ticked. We're getting rid of you, Jack. But if God didn't get that out of him when it came time and time to come, when he would preserve the family and preserve the seed, God had to deal with what was in Joseph so Joseph could deal with his family. Maybe this is something we all need to look at at things that we go through because we all get opportunities to be offended, hurt, disappointed, and wounded. And the reality is I could say they're the meanest people on the planet, but it's not important what they're doing. It's important how I'm responding. It's important how I'm looking at it because it will always reveal who we are. It will reveal us. It will reveal what's in our hearts. You know what? I can come, you know, let's put it in our day. You could win that billion-dollar billion dollar lottery that just went off a few a week or so ago but you know the reality of most people that win that kind of money even less money than that cannot keep it matter of fact they usually get in worse shape afterwards than before and it's not the money it, has, it was never a problem with the money it was a problem with what they had on the inside of them that allowed them not to be able to handle it. Sometimes, listen, it's the same way it is with the things of God, the anointings. We want more anointing. We want more of this, and you and I don't realize. That's why if we don't deal with ourselves and let God reveal us, we will mishandle and misuse the gift, and it will work against us because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. It will work against us not because the gift is bad, but because we have some stuff that we steal. And here's the deal. It's a process. It's a lifelong journey. When you think that you've arrived, God said, okay, I'm going to show you. I'll put you in another situation. It's, I, I'm one of these to believe. Maybe some of you believe different. I got born again, yes, but my flesh is being renewed day by day by day. I'm on my way to heaven, but I got news for you. He'll work on me tomorrow because I still got some junk in my trunk. Oh, come on. I got some stuff that needs to be dealt with minister friend that I'd done an interview with TV years ago. He's a, he's a missionary to Africa now. He got saved in prison. Jim Baker led him to the Lord. Isn't that crazy? God takes a preacher, puts him in prison. He wins a number of people to the Lord in prison. This guy happens to be one of them. And this guy's going to the world, taking, taking the land by storm, helping people. But while he was in prison, God began to deal with him. And the Lord showed him. He said, we're all like an onion. We're made up of layers. He'll pull a layer off today and you think, Whew, I'm glad that's over. Give you a little break and say, okay, I want to deal with another layer. 
And he keeps dealing with us. So it's a lifelong journey. Don't think, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to go through pounding every day. That's not the deal. But just understand that maybe when circumstances, even the, you ever think about this? Maybe the thing that you call the devil battling you isn't the devil at all. We've just got accustomed to saying everything is the devil. Maybe it's the devil in me. He's trying to get out. Here's another thing that the process will do. And i got to lay in this jet because my time is up. It usually requires all of us to function different. To see different. And to think different. I was listening to my man Steve Harvey. Now, y'all more spiritual than I am, but I, he does that game show. He said, you want to change your life? He made a simple principle of, of wealth. He said, if you ever get on a plane and fly first class, you walk on and you sit down in that chair that's bigger than you are, and thank God me and Charlie got to do that coming home from Africa. Because I guarantee you, it ain't no fun riding in a plane anymore unless you're in first class. If you've ever got to sit there. Because when you walk on that plane, it's not your seats in the back. It's, hello, Mr. Therese. Uh, What can I get for you? Would you like a drink? Would you like some wine? Would you like a Coke? Whatever. Bring you a nice little warm towel. I don't mean towelettes. I'm talking about a real cloth. It's warm, and they bring that to you. She takes her little tongs and gives it to you. Wipe your face off. All, all of this good. Somebody's ding-dong's going off. And uh, maybe they're telling me to stop. But <laughs> and then you sit down when dinner time comes around. They don't just bring you a box. Here, pff, chicken or liver. Pff, pff. It's none of that. They bring you a little menu. Would you like steak? Would you like this? See, once you ever run the... Man, we were so wiped out coming back. Even our, even our seats kind of, they just kind of lowered down to make you a bed in a little cubicle. <laughs> Sit there, put the TV on, and ride. Oh, my. I don't want to go back to coach anymore. <laughs> but he said, once you do that, it'll stir something in you. And he said, then you have to start, wait a minute, I don't want to ride back there, but what is it going to take for me to ride here? Because once I've tasted, I don't want to go back. It's like buying a, a nice suit, a nice dress for the first time. The challenge is go buy you something, I mean, really expensive, really nice. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I, I mean, I never will forget. I, I just grew up, you, you know, my family was just average family. And I had a minister come to town, an evangelist. And he come down. There was a store in Paducah called the Trad Shop, one of the upper men's stores of that place. He wanted some clothes. He he took me with me. He said, Pastor, I'm going to buy you something. What do you need? He bought me a pair of slacks. Problem was, I looked at them. You know what this cost? I'm talking 30 years ago. 30. It was $100 for a pair of slacks. I hadn't hardly had a 1995 pair of slacks on. But I realized something. When I put them on, it didn't feel like the 1995. It felt like I was naked with clothes on. 
I'm serious. And once you start with that, you don't want to go back. But here's the deal. What is the action that you're going to do? It starts with changing the way we think, the way we do, the way we act. Listen, process to get to possession will always require function to be different, to think different, to look different. And the process was constantly revealing how much Egypt was always in Israel. They'd come out, but Egypt was still in them. It's like what Helen Keller said, and I used it recently. What's worse than being blind? Having eyes to see, but you can't see. It will always. Here, I'll give you this last thing. I got a whole lot more, but I'll give you this last thing. It causes us to do major reviews of what is present. We'll have to sort through. We'll have to remove some things. We'll have to add some things in order to get to possession. That's why he spoke to the prophet. He spoke to Jeremiah. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I ordained you to be a prophet. And you're going to go in. You're going to uproot. You're going to tear down. But then he said you're going to build back up. So sometimes before you can build back up, you got to tear some stuff out. we got to uproot some stuff that's in us. I want to tell you, believe it or not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not being critical or judgmental. But I guarantee you there's a lot of us got roots that need to be plucked out in order to get fully into possession. we got to get it out. we got to get it. And the whole time, and I, let me get to possession Real quickly, and I, the whole thing, the whole process of wilderness, the whole, how, let me read what I, let read how I wrote it down. From Egypt to possession, they had to be delivered, but had, they had to be delivered out of Egypt. But by the time the process was done, they had the ability to overthrow their enemies to take possession. And if you don't deal with process, you'll not have the ability. You'll need somebody to always try to get you in. That's why we keep calling. We, got, we just got to have so-and-so to come in. If we could get Mario Morello here, we could really have a move of God. You know why we think that? Because we, we just don't see ourselves throwing out that enemy. Let me get a hold of Pastor Valtrice. He'll throw them out. God says, no, I want you to throw them out. It's your possession. It's your land. You uproot it from here to there, from promise to possession. Everybody say promise, promise. process, promise. and possession. My other question for you once again is, God's come to us. He said, I'm here. It's time. I've heard the cry of people that are hurting. And I've come to deliver them. And I'm going to use you to convince them that it's time for them to get out of their bondage. Are you and I going to say yes? Or are we just going to keep looking at ourselves and say, hmm, you know what? I just don't see that. I just don't know. I believe it's time that we say yes to the Lord and yield ourselves to whatever change it will bring. 
to whatever. I'm not talking about just in this house. Yeah, things are going to change. It's going to happen whether we like it or not. And it needs to happen. And it's no longer about us. It's no longer about us. I, I want to say that it's no longer about us. I've got Jesus. You got Jesus. But we got family. We got kids, grandkids. We got friends. We got people all around us that need what we got. But they're not coming to our house the way we are. Hello? We're saying, God, what do we need to do? I'm saying yes to the Lord. Whatever you want to do. We sing that song, no matter what it looks like. No matter what it feels like. Come, Lord Jesus, whatever you want to do. Come on and stand with me. I trust you received of the Lord. Father, I have given this as you put in my heart to give. And I believe a great, a great possession is setting in front of us. And I believe, God, just like you spoke to Moses, that you've heard the cry. You said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I believe the cry, God, of saints that have cried out that you promised years ago that have already gone. That you made a promise to them that the earth, that this place and other churches, this city, these families would see the greatest moves of God that they've ever seen. <coughs> I believe that you've heard their cry and you're keeping your promise, God, to generations past. To those saints that walk the earth. God, that you covenant with and you said this would happen in the last days. Even as you said through Jeremiah that your house, your kingdom would be a established above all the kingdoms of the earth I believe is now now father I thank you for what you're doing in us what you're doing in Christ church what you're doing in each individual in this place and I say yes to you tonight I say yes God whatever you need to do we will follow we will go with you we want out of the bondage we want out of the trouble we want possession tonight Lord we thank you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. Put your little hands up to the Lord like you're going to receive something tonight. I bless you to walk in the greatness and everything that God has called you to. I bless you to get out of Egypt, to get out of bondage, to get out of the place of despair, and to get to the place of possession. I declare over you that it is your time to walk in the fullness, the things, the visions, the dreams that you have carried in your heart, the promises God has made for you. I bless you to walk them out, to see the full manifestation of those things now in this present time I bless you to walk in victory I bless you to walk in abundance I bless you to walk in joy I bless you to walk in health and all the great things that heaven affords you tonight I give you praise in Jesus name amen amen good night everybody